Hello, and welcome to Thought to Execution with Valencia Partners. We're a management consultancy working with clients across financial services, and we think it's important to talk about and reflect on opportunities exploring what's possible with new technologies and developments in the financial services industry. But we think it's equally critical that we spend time reflecting on the challenges and realities of implementing new ideas in complex organizations. I'm Shilpa, a senior consultant here at VP. And I'm Alana, also a senior consultant here. Thought to Execution is our Valencia Partners podcast series, where we, along with our guests each episode, cover emerging topics within the financial services industry, so we can help our audience stay ahead of the curve. Throughout this series, we will focus on key concepts, the thought, and the application within the industry, the execution. Here today to speak to us about data is our very own James Tunnicliffe, who is a senior manager here at Valencia Partners. Welcome, James. So James, we already know that data has become one of the most powerful resources within the financial services industry. So we're very keen on hearing what this means for our clients. So we'll start with a very basic question. Um, what is data and what does it mean within the financial services? Data is, is any record of anything that happened. You can think of data as an entry in a spreadsheet or a photograph or any number of things, video, is, is a form of data, right? So what data is, is, is someone's record of how something was at a point in time. And I'm being deliberately vague as I say this, because some data is numerical, quantitative data, some data is descriptive, some data is, um, well, anything in between, really. Data is ones and zeros in databases on computer systems, but kind of slightly more abstract is the idea that data is organizational memory. It's it's everything that an organization knows and has ever recorded. So you start to get into questions of how accessible and how useful is that data in, in answering questions. And that's why it matters for our clients in the financial services industry, because they encounter a lot of information, they record a lot of information, and they need to be able to answer questions using that information going forwards. And that's where their data comes in handy. So data is essentially um, discrete values that convey information. So if that's the case, what are the crucial things that data can be used for? Something I talk to clients about quite a lot is, is that data on its own has little or no value. Data only has value in the context of the question that you want to use it to answer, which we refer to as analytics. Um, so when you ask how can data be used, the, the very broad and, and almost difficult answer is to answer questions, but if we're looking for, for real-world applications, then we can ask the question, is the person who's making this payment supposed to be making this payment? Does this money come from a source that we are comfortable with providing banking services to? Does this product meet the needs of the customer that it's being marketed to? There's any number of questions that a financial services organisation might want to ask and would be able to look to their data to answer, were that data structured appropriately and, and available to be analysed uh, in line with that question. So we know that the financial services is traditionally a bit outdated when it comes to data. Um, using legacy systems makes it hard for data to move across systems. So how can banks start addressing data quality? We've got this idea that financial services is, is bad at data, but the reality is that uh, FS is very, very good at capturing data. 
one of the things that's happened over 30, 40 years of financial services companies implementing technology systems to uh, automate or to digitally intermediate their processes um, is that those systems have become siloed. And, and what I mean by that is each application, each system is there to support a particular business process and comes with its own data store. Those data stores aren't necessarily aligned to one another and you get the same data item being recorded in multiple places. To look at something as simple as a name, your name might be recorded four or five times across a banking organisation that you have a relationship with. In some of those systems, they will have captured first, middle, last. In some of the systems, they will have gone with first and second initial with your last name. And in other systems, they will have looked at that same data point, which we can all recognise as the same thing in the world, and recorded it slightly differently. So when you try and join up all of those systems, you know, you've got James Tunnicliffe in one and Jay Tunnicliffe in another. Well, are they the same person? That's actually a relatively complex question to answer. So one of the first things banks can do is look across all of the data stores they've got and begin to map out what they have recorded in each and how they have recorded it, such that they can see where they've got natural joins and where they've got unnatural joins, where you've got the same piece of data recorded in, in, uh, in, in two different ways. Same. That will help to address the integration issue. Then there is the issue of whether the data within each of the data stores is any good and that's a separate question. So it would I suppose be a consolidation so that you can do that gap analysis of where you are and where you want to be um, and then you can start addressing the quality of that data. When we're talking about data quality and, and addressing data quality that can mean any number of different things right so you can have a, a data store that has poor data in it where data formats and data governance have been ignored you've got letters in the wrong case, you've got numbers where you should have letters, you've got punctuation where you shouldn't have any, that makes processing data very difficult, or you've got fields left blank. Then you've got data quality, the idea of data quality across data stores, and, and that then comes to questions of integration and how you can join the data across those different repositories. If you strategically have an idea of where you want to go with your data, then yeah, you can start to look at it and say, this is the standard we need from this data repository or this integration, and we're not meeting it. And that allows you to identify the gap and figure out how to make the changes. But until you've done that strategic piece to say, what do I want from my data? And what do I actually need to be able to do with my data? It's very difficult to set the standards that will govern where you want to go. From everything you've been saying, data isn't a new concept it's been around for a while but it's clear that sort of at least within the industry it's quite an up-and-coming theme that we need to focus on so why has strategy or thinking around data changed in the last few years i think there's a number of things that have contributed to this it's impossible to ignore the rise of technology and that in itself is a problematic thing to say because the the rise of technology has been going since the 70s right um the big thing that's changed in the last few years is, is cloud and the availability of cloud systems. And that massively increases the processing power that organizations have access to. It increases the storage, it lowers the barriers to entry for complex analytics tasks. 
and being able to perform those complex analytics tasks and beginning to see the value in those has pointed banks to the fact that their data doesn't actually support those complex analytics tasks and they need to go back and look at data quality at source. Regulations also had a massive part to play and we look at things like anti-financial crime, which is causing banks to reflect on their CRM data, their KYC data, and realise that actually it's not really up to the job and, and there are large-scale data remediations needing to go on with that. It's impossible to ignore competition in this space as well. And as consumers are demanding more and more digital experiences, greater automations, more insights into their spending or the opportunities they have, banks are realizing that they need to leverage their data and harness their data to be able to offer customers those experiences that differentiate them from one another. So the availability of technology has kind of led to all of these different factors pushing banks, insurance companies, whoever, financial services organizations in different directions. Fundamentally, it comes down to the fact that they have questions that they need answers to. Those answers are in their data, but they are realizing that that data has not been curated and looked after in a way that supports getting those answers. As we see in kind of many different areas, technology is just changing the industry completely. So I guess, um, with all the technology that's kind of evolving, is key to focus on data, which kind of underpins it as well. 100%. And, and if you look at, in banking specifically, the rise of challenger banks kind of around, what, 2012, I guess, they, they started to appear. Because they started from first principles, with none of the encumbrance of legacy technology, they were able to offer experiences that the, the legacy banks couldn't. They could offer chatbots and they could give you spending analytics and they could uh, allow you to activate your card through an app and freeze your card if you lost it. All these sorts of things that legacy banks couldn't do. And that level of competition, that sort of exposure to the consumer of these capabilities that technology first organizations could offer them, I think really opened the eyes of the traditional banking sector to the fact that they were being held back by how disintegrated their technology architecture and their data architecture was. One of the answers to that is to bring the data together. You can kind of live with siloed systems if all of the data comes together in a way that can be used and processed, accessed. And then once you've done that, that decoupling that we call it, you then get the opportunity to start replacing those front-end systems and providing the best-in-breed, cutting-edge technology experiences that customers have come to expect because the likes of Monzo, Revolut, Starling came along and showed them that it was possible. I suppose they were able to like hit the ground running from that point of view? Totally. Mm. Uh, they started from scratch. They had a, a green field to build on and the question for them was, what does the customer want, mm. not what can we give the customer? And they're two very different starting points. And it's not just banking. You know, we're, we as consumers are being shown technological experiences all over the place. You know, the, the thought of phoning up a travel agent to make a flight booking now is, is ludicrous. You go to Skyscanner or you go to Google Flights and all the data is there. It's all been organised and made into such a fashion that you, you don't need that friction in the journey to, to make it accessible. The idea of uh, walking up to the counter in a cinema. I mean, when was the last time you did that? You book your cinema ticket online. You can even pick your seat because someone spent the time getting the data together to make that experience possible. 
we're being exposed to these experiences all the time in our lives. And again, I haven't even mentioned Apple, Facebook, Amazon, Google. I mentioned Google. But constantly as consumers, we're being shown these data-enabled experiences that are frictionless and they're easy and, and they're self-serve. We're not paying a margin to someone to manage the data for us because the technology has been harnessed in doing that. And, and that's what we expect from our banks now. You've spoken about the thought behind data, you know, what it is, why it's important, how it's kind of changed our thinking. In keeping with our name, we now want to think about the execution of all of this. So what are the main challenges, other than obviously financial services firms being outdated with their systems? Um, are there any other key challenges that firms should focus on combating when it comes to data? Yeah, so I would say the, the, the first one is identifying and overcoming silos. So we, we've talked a little bit already about how banking organisations tended to associate discrete data stores with individual systems, and those systems were associated with individual business processes. That means you've got all of these kind of vertical stacks that don't talk horizontally between them. One of the best ways of overcoming that is to establish a, a common data store and people will talk about data lakes and data warehouses and all of these kinds of things, technical terms, it, it doesn't really matter. Just think of it as a big puddle of data that sits across all of your systems and, and can pick up and look at data from different systems at different times. So one of the first things to do is, is to map your systems and to understand what do those silos look like and map your data stores and understand where are they currently integrated and where have we got gaps in, in the estate. That allows you to then start to think about how do you bring together all of that data into a common data store where it can be uh, processed, modelled, picked up on to, to ask it the questions that you want to ask. We've spoken about banks and you know not just banks but lots of different industries maybe not being as advanced as they should be when it comes to having good quality data um you know and valuing data as an asset so if a client was to approach you and say you know we know how important data is but we think we struggle to get good quality data and we struggle with actually gaining the proper value from our customer data obviously this is kind of a very big topic so what would you advise kind of where would they start another area that banks have huge challenges in is, is data quality over many many years of recording data they will find that different standards have been applied by different people and, and you have to remember that for a lot of banking data it's written down by human beings and if you've got a hundred people writing down data into the same database you will find differences in how they do it, the level of attention to detail that is paid, the understanding of what's being asked of them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And unless you've had very rigid data controls, which a lot of legacy systems didn't, you will find that that data has been input in different ways, which makes it difficult to process in an, in an automated fashion. So retrospectively applying data governance and data controls to those data sets to then be able to go back through and bring all of the data up to standard such that it can be automated and that we can ask algorithms so that we can ask robotics to, to go and look at all of that data and understand what it's looking at, that's a huge opportunity for banks to get more out of their existing data stores. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So thinking a little bit further ahead, what does this 
look like for our clients from a regulatory perspective? Where are banks with aligning with, for example, the Basel reforms or consumer duty regulations? And would you say we're in a good place as an industry? Not necessarily. So, I, I, you know, the answer to that is going to vary depending on which bank or financial services organisation we're talking about. Some are very ready and others are struggling. I think the thing to bear in mind when we talk about regulation and data is that the two influence each other in different ways. So regulations regulate data and how data can be used and processed. The best example of that is the GDPR. There is also a need for data to meet most regulations and to do things uh, like understanding your liquidity ratio and reporting that under the existing Basel regime and the changes that are coming. For organisations that are trying to meet those and those two regulations that you mentioned are quite different from one another, the important thing, I think, to bear in mind is that flexibility is king. And they could meet each of these regulations in a sprint, in a, in a kind of mad headlong dash that is tunnel vision on the requirements of this regulation. Or they could stop and reflect on what is this regulation asking us to do and to understand about our business and how might we need to amend that in the future. And the reason I say this is because it is much easier to go in and slightly alter some calculations that you're making or add some columns to some data that you already capture than it is to start from scratch with a whole new set of business analysis, a whole new set of data recording, a whole new set of databases and processes. Um, and it's much more strategic to be in a position where you don't have to start again from scratch all the time. Agreed. It's it's definitely better to build long-term sustainable solutions as opposed to applying band-aid fixes. Um, so whilst an organisation might seem like they're behind in terms of meeting regulatory deadlines, it is ultimately a smarter approach to start with fixing data and implementing some structure, like you said, before leveraging this and aligning with those regulations. Yeah, completely agree. I, I think there's a reality to delivering against regulation and, and delivering against any new requirement in a financial services organisation. There is always going to be pressure to show results and there's always going to be pressure to get results quickly. What that means is that you end up with a two-speed system. You have a strategic undercurrent of what you're doing to position yourself to be able to meet those future requirements as quickly as possible in the future. And that tends to be infrastructure, systems, data, the big stuff. And then you have the sprints that sit on top of that for meeting each new requirement as it comes up. Ideally, over time, that undertow of strategic change will allow those sprints to happen much more quickly with a much lower margin of cost to each. You're never not going to have the sprints. You're, you're never going to be able to just sort of kick back and meet regulation or meet customer requirements as they come up without putting in some marginal effort. The idea is to reduce that over time by taking the strategic steps to position yourself uh, for success when, when those new requirements come up. So we might have already touched on this slightly. There's kind of a lot for clients to focus on in terms of looking at what their customers need, also looking at regulatory requirements. So what should be firms' main areas of focus in order to overcome these challenges, meet their regulatory requirements, and also focus on their data strategy? So start with the, start with the, the application, the requirement. Why are you trying to do something with your data in the first place? 
And the reason I say that is because there's an ocean to be boiled in data, as it were. That there's a million different things that can be done and, and that a million different people will tell you should be done, in air quotes. Unless you start with the requirement, you risk running off in any number, any manner of directions, trying to sort everything out, and those fixes will inevitably become conflicting with each other. They're, they're, you know, fixing one thing breaks another. So starting with your requirements and understanding what it is you are trying to deliver for the customer or for the business is the first thing to do. And as you work through requirements, gradually delivering for each, the thing to keep an eye on is how do I deliver for this requirement without closing the door to another requirement that might follow on from it? So when we talk about data lakes, pulling data into a common, common data store in an unstructured fashion, one of the reasons that that is such a great approach is because it doesn't close the door to anything. You keep all of your existing data, you keep it in the format that it was in to begin with. The only point at which you start to close doors, as it were, is when you pull data out of there into data warehouses where it can be modelled and it can be directed at a specific application. So you might have a finance data warehouse that you use to process that customer data that you're talking about for a particular application for customers in order to understand, I don't know, the P&L for the retail bank. You won't be able to use that same modelled data to provide customers insights on their spending analytics despite the fact that many of the data elements will be common. But if you do want to provide that spending analytics down the, down the line, then all we're doing is establishing another, and again, air quotes, warehouse, whereby data can be pulled into there and modeled for that application. The most important thing in all of this is that you understand why you're doing what you're doing with your data, and that allows you to do the right thing for the application you're trying to deliver. So just out of curiosity, pushing things a little bit further, um, what do you think of the new age of digitalization and digital finance uh, and what it brings for data? For example, bringing blockchain in as a data management tool? So digitalization means that more can be recorded and, and I'll come to blockchain in a minute, but digitally intermediated interactions, and that's largely what we mean by digitalizing finance, are interactions that have a computer or computer system at the center of which means that every aspect of that interaction can be recorded and an increasing number of aspects can be recorded. We can, uh, we can analyze where someone's eyes are looking on a screen. We can analyze how quickly they click, how much their mouse moves around the screen while they're thinking. There's a number of, of new parameters that we can get access to as a result of that digital intermediation. And if I may, for a moment, if, if you think about the process of taking out a mortgage, which would have used to be conducted face to face in a bank branch, having an interview about your salary and your income and all of these things, with that now being digitally intermediated, one is we have access to facts or things that we consider to be facts, verifiable information from other databases that are trusted sources. But we also have access to all of this user information that tells us how the user is interacting with the journey and the process that we can analyze because all of that data is coming into the same place in a, in a structured fashion. So we can learn a lot more about what's going on during that process than we could when it was a mortgage advisor sat with Mr. and Mrs. Smith um, talking to them about their plans. 
not least because there would have been 50 mortgage advisors in the same building, all of whom would have had a slightly different idea of how their clients were behaving. So now coming to blockchain, I talked a little bit about trusted sources of data and information there. And that's the great thing about blockchain. So blockchain being a disintermediated way of uh, verifying the data that you're recording. Everyone in a, uh, so everyone participating in that blockchain network needs to sign off that they think that a transaction or a, a piece of information that's being recorded is, is true and correct. Once they've done that, you can pretty much bet the, bet the house that that information is right and it's very, very, very difficult to go in and tamper with it after the fact. Which means that your, your trust around your network massively increases and you are able to rely on information that you're pulling in from other places um, if it's stored within a blockchain in a way that you possibly can't at the moment. Don't think that blockchain is necessarily the golden silver bullet that people thought it was a few years ago, but applied properly, it opens up opportunities for greater trust in data uh, than we currently have in some of our data resources. That's, that's quite interesting because it seems like although the tools and resources that we can use might change, the industry fundamentally needs to change its attitude towards storing data and maintaining that quality regardless of yeah, how we do it. I think there are a number of components to this answer and again it depends where firms have got to as yet. So we, we talk about this concept of, of data governance and uh, as, as the law and then the chief data office as the police. Um, and what I mean by that is setting the rules and standards that you expect of your data and then finding ways to enforce them. What we've got to remember is that the data as an organizational resource is constantly evolving and will be constantly evolving. That's both within your existing data stores and fields and also in terms of your total data estate, you will find yourself recording new information that you never had cause to record in the past. If you don't set standards for how that ought to be recorded, where it ought to be recorded, how it ought to be integrated, then it will be the Wild West and it will be a mess, it will be organic, it will be uh, unmanaged, shall we say. If you set those rules and don't enforce them, the same thing will happen. Um, so financial services organisations, I think as a whole, and if they don't already, ought to have in place fairly rigid, structured data governance rules, and they ought to have mechanism, mechanisms in place for incentivizing individuals to adhere to them, but also enforcing them and forcing individuals to uh, play ball and, and to cooperate in the way that the organisation needs. Following on from everything we have just discussed, the last question I wanted to ask is, what can we as Valencia Partners do to help our clients? I think I'm going to refer back to our core values a little bit here. And I think they apply a great deal around data. So, so we talk about fearlessly questioning as one of our core values and, and one of the things that we believe we do better than than other consultancies that are out there. It is so important to question and analyze and interrogate data in a structured and I'll, I'll say a fearless way. 
there are so many assumptions and, and so much dogma around how data is treated in financial services organisations, and that creates friction, it creates issues around using that data effectively um, in the analytics and, and asking the questions of it that ought to be asked. So taking that analytical stance, asking the hard questions, I think that's a really, really important thing we can do for our clients. Finally, there's the, the point around always do right, and, and it's kind of the governing value that, that we hold as, as Valencia Partners. The reality is in, in data, it's not necessarily what you do in the heroic effort, in the sprint to meet the regulatory deadline or to produce the new product or to find a buyer for such and such an asset. It's, it's what you do every single day and, and the practices and culture that permeate an organisation. So that idea of always do right and how we can bring that to our, our partner organisations, I think that's a really interesting thing for us to reflect on um, in terms of how we can create those cultural changes and, and that attitude change that is required uh, to treat data as an asset going forwards and put financial services organisations in a position to make the most out of their uh, corporate knowledge. I mean, there's kind of so much we could cover around data, but is there anything else that you think is very important to cover right now? The first is that data is an asset. The data is not just some byproduct that gets thrown in a data store never to be looked at again. It is, it is incredibly valuable knowledge for your organisation. Data on its own is worth next to nothing and it needs the questions to activate it and, and to make it properly useful to a financial services business. That being acknowledged then brings in the question of how effectively can you activate that data and that's when we start talking about how well integrated are your systems, how integral is your data, what level of data quality uh, are you generating and sustaining through your data practices and your data governance. So those three points then are that data is an asset, data is only useful if you know what questions to ask, and data can be limited in its usefulness by poor practices and poor maintenance of that data over time. Thank you, James. If anything you've heard here today piques your interest, or you have any follow-up questions, please do reach out to us via podcast at valentiapartners.com. Or if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future, please do let us know. Thank you all for listening. Thank you. Thought to Execution is a podcast produced and distributed by Valencia Partners. The podcast is a conversation created for entertainment purposes and all views expressed in the podcast belong to the individual, not to Valencia Partners. None of the content in this podcast is or should be considered to be financial, tax, legal or any other kind of advice.